0: Verily the praise belongs to Allah we praise Him seek His assistance and forgiveness and we seek refuge in Allah from the evil of ourselves and the evil consequences of our deeds whoever Allah guides there is no one that can lead him astray and whoever Allah leads astray there is no one that can guide him I bear witness that nothing Deserves to be worshipped except Allah alone and that He has no partners or associates. And I bear witness that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa is His slave servant and His messenger. We'd like to begin this evening in this lecture number 45 from the Sharh or explanation of Kitab al-Tawheed, Alladhi huwa haqqullah ala al-Abied by Imam Muhammad. Ibn Abdul Wahab, Ibn Sulaiman, Al-Tamimi, Al-Najdi, In this lecture this evening, <coughs> we hope to discuss two topics uh, from two chapters, one following the other. The first of them, the chapter entitled Baabun la yuraddu man sa'la billahi. The chapter entitled La yuraddu مَنْ saala billahi. Ya'ani whoever asks for something or requests something by Allah Ya'ani in the name of Allah they ask for something using the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as the means as a means to have their request to be responded to مَنْ Billahi. la yurad Then such a person who has asked in this way they should not be refused they should not be Rejected, They should not be turned away without the request being fulfilled. Al-Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab in this chapter, as in some of the earlier chapters uh, immediately preceding this one, discussed an issue which is of great importance in reference to at tawheed and it is Al-Ta'azim, the glorification or the exaltation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his names and his characteristics, and his rights over his servants. His rububiyya, to be recognized as the only one who is the creator and lord of everything that exists, and his rububiyya, that he is the only one that has the right to be worshipped. The exaltation or the glorification, the ta'zim of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, especially his names and characteristics and his rights over his creatures. In this chapter, Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab has mentioned one evidence. It is the hadith An Ibn Umar. Radi Anhuma May Allah be pleased with him and his father and Nuhal. Alla Rasulullahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And Abdullah Ibn Umar Radi Allah may Allah be pleased with him and his father. He said that the Messenger of Allah said Billahi. Billahi. Whoever seeks refuge in Allah. and yani he seeks refuge by the name of Allah. By mentioning Allah. Whoever seeks refuge by the name of Allah, فأعيدوه. Then you should give him refuge. You should help and support him. sa'ala billahi And whoever makes a request or ask for something by Allah, by the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then you should give it to him, what he asks. وَمَنْ دَعَاكُمْ فَأَجِيبُوهُ And whoever invites you, whoever calls you or invites you, to a meal, to eat, then you should answer that call, you should answer that person, you should respond to them. وَمَنْ سَنَعَ إِلَيْكُمْ مَعْرُوفًا فَكَافِئُوهُ and whoever does for you some good deed, a deed of kindness or generosity, مَعْرُوفًا whoever does or acts towards you in a good way ohu, then you should compensate him, you should recompense him, you should return something back to that one who has done good towards you. فَإِنَّمْ تَجِدُوهُ مَا تُكَافِئُونَهُ فَدْعُوا لَهُ and if you do not find that with which you can recompense or compensate him for what he has done for you فَدْعُوا لَهُ then you should supplicate for him you should supplicate to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to reward him for good for him حَتَّى <hattā> أو <tarawu or turawu> and it has been reported both ways Taraw or Turaw, and the meaning is similar حَتَّى أَنَّكُمْ Until you know, or until you feel that you have compensated him. يعني yani, supplicate for him again and again and again, until you feel that you have supplicated enough to compensate for whatever good that that one has done for you. أَبُو with an authentic chain of narrators. Actually here, in this copy, in this explanation of Kitab al-Tawheed by Shaykh Muhammad al-Qar'awi, may Allah protect and preserve him, uh, he begins this hadith, من استعاذ بالله and in other editions of Kitab al-Tawheed, some of them began the wording of the hadith, من Billahi." بالله these two sentences changing the order. However, the hadith, as is reported in the Sunan of Abu Dawud, which is the original source of this hadith, it came as it is reported here, Billahi. Even though some of the major contemporary scholars, such as Sheikh Abdul Aziz Ibn Baz and Sheikh Muhammad ibn Salih Uthaymin and Sheikh Abdul Rahman Al Sadi, or not Sheikh Abdul Rahman Al Sadi, the first two, in their explanations of Kitab Tawhid, they have narrated the hadith in their edition of it, من سعى However, this wording. Yani, the first sentence being من استعاذ Whoever seeks refuge by the name of Allah Then you should give them refuge Is the one that is more correct As it has been found in the sunnah of Abu Dawud With this wording yani, Here in this hadith The Prophet Sallallahu Began by saying Whoever seeks refuge in Allah yani, Whoever says to you أعوذ billahi min sharrik" Or "min sharri ghayrit. Whoever says to you I seek refuge in Allah from your evil from harm from you or from someone else whoever says that seeking refuge by the name of Allah then you should give them refuge if you were the one who they were seeking refuge from then you should resist you should restrain from causing harm to that person as they have asked refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by the name of Allah and therefore it is ta'zeem or glorification of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that whoever seeks help by the name of Allah that we should respond to it and likewise Whoever asks for something in the name of Allah, by the face of Allah, by the wedge of Allah, or by His name, and ill Jalalah Allah, then the person should give that one who has requested what they have asked for. They should answer them, as long as what they have asked is not something that is sinful. Or cutting the ties of relations or that which is prohibited in Islam. And whoever has invited you, called you to a meal Especially, most of the the majority of the scholars said that the meaning here is when you have been invited to al walima, the walima for the wedding, the wedding celebration. When you have been invited to such, however, some of the scholars said it is general. Whenever you have been uh, invited to such, to someone has offered, invited you to food, especially on the occasion of the wedding celebration, then you should answer them. As long as. And if there is no harm coming to you by responding, it would not cause you to fall into some harm or hardship or difficulty in the matters of deen or in your worldly affairs. And some of the scholars said that the proof that this hadith, whoever invites you, that you should answer, that it is in reference to the wedding celebration, is due to another hadith in which the Prophet clearly made it known that it is obligatory for one to respond if they are invited. A wedding celebration. He said, Sharra Taam Ta'amul Walima that the most evil food is the food of the Walima. Tuda ilayha man yani, it is that Walima to which those who are invited to it refuse to come. Yani the rich and important people are invited and they don't come. And as for those who come, the poor and un yani, the people who have no place in the society or no status, those who come they are prohibited from entering. That is the word, food, that one may eat from. It is the walima, in which the important people are invited to, even if they don't come. And the unimportant people are refused entry, even though they come. The Prophet ﷺ said, lam yujib, allah wa whoever doesn't answer, then he has disobeyed Allah and his Messenger. Yani whoever doesn't answer the invitation to a wedding celebration. So this, from this hadith, it is known that a wedding celebration... It is obligatory for one to respond to it, if they are able, according to the conditions and circumstances. It is obligatory. However, general invitations, otherwise, uh, it is not necessarily obligatory to respond to them, though it is preferable to do so, and there is difference of opinion on this point. Al-Ma'ruf, it means, it is a comprehensive word for all that is good. So whoever does some good for you, then you should respond by compensating them. Yani in like, according to the best of your ability or if you are not able as he said in the end of the hadith then supplicate for that one supplicate to Allah for some good for them until you feel that you have supplicated enough to compensate for what they have done for you al-Shaykh uh, al-Qar'awi in the general explanation of this hadith says that since Islam calls to lofty and noble objectives, and high, highly exalted goals. Then the Prophet ﷺ, in this hadith he has ordered the Muslims to refrain from causing harm, yani themselves causing harm to someone, or to prevent those who might be causing harm to someone, to prevent them from causing harm to them, if that one who is being harmed, especially if they seek refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yani they say, A'udhu bika. A'udhu minka. seeking refuge uh, in Allah from the harm of someone. And that is, yani that requires that the Muslim should be a help and a support for the one who calls for help or seeks refuge in the name of Allah. And that also, secondly, he said, that we should try to fulfill the request or the needs of those who ask for something in the name of Allah. Whoever asks, for help or assistance or aid in the name of Allah, whether it is financial or material or other assistance, due to their position or their status in the society, that they may, may be able to intercede for you, to help you to get your rights or to fulfill your needs. Whoever asks for help in the name of Allah, then we should try to fulfill their needs, to respond to their needs, as long as uh, it, it would not cause harm to the one who is trying to help, or any difficulty on that one beyond their ability. And this is, the shaykh says, تَعَظِيمٌ لِلَّهِ عَزَّ To do so, to respond to such a one who calls for help, or acts for their needs in the name of Allah, it is a means of glorification, showing the exalted status in the heart of the believer, the exalted position of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the glory uh, of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And likewise, it is honoring the one who acts, by helping them, it is also an honor to them. And thirdly, he said, it is a means of fostering the love, fostering al mahabba between the people, yani those who are in need and those who ask, and those who are able to help them. Then he said, thirdly, that we should respond to the invitation of the one who calls us to a wedding celebration, walima al-Urs, or any other. Yani celebration or such an occasion and that is uh, that would be a means of strengthening the ties uh, of love between the people and firming up the friendship and good relations between the believers. Fourthly he said that one should recompense or compensate the one who has done a good deed for him or her and if one is not able to respond in like, by offering something similar to what has been given in exchange to that one who has done a good to you then it is obligatory to supplicate for that person until you feel as though you have compensated them and this he says it is a means of raising up the soul or the spirit of that person who somebody has done good towards them to raise them up above the favor that has been given to them, so that they don't feel humiliated or less than the one who is given. The Prophet ﷺ said that the upper hand is better than the lower hand, the one who gives is better than the one who receives. Therefore, when one receives, it puts that, makes that person feel as though they are in a lower position. And therefore, the, the, the Sharia and the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the deen of Allah has legislated that, so that a person would not stay in that position, feeling indebted to a human being, as opposed to feeling in submission to Allah Subh'anaHu Wa ta'ala alone, which is the achievement of a tawheed, and that person should get out of that condition, out of that state, by offering something back to that one who has given, and if they can't give them back what similar or something equal to what has been given to them, then they should do that which would be a full compensation for them, and that is supplicating to Allah Subh'anaHu Wa ta'ala for good for that person, and he's supplicating for them to the extent until they feel that they have compensated them. And he said, doing so, it is also a means, and yani it is a way to raise up the one who has been given, and it is also a means of uh, making the heart content of the one who gives. Yani, the one who gives will also feel good when something comes back to them, or if they are not in need of it, that somebody supplicates to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for good for them. The shaykh mentions four benefits from this hadith. Is it possible to open this? benefits from this hadith, the first of them is the obligation of repulsing harm from the one who seeks refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the one who seeks refuge in the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Here on this first point also we should say that responding to them and repulsing harm from them and assisting the one who seeks refuge in the name of Allah, it is in consideration as long as the person is not seeking refuge from someone who has ordered them to do that which Allah made obligatory on them. Or they are not seeking refuge from someone who is preventing them from doing that which Allah has made haram. Because what Allah has made obligatory on them, we cannot. And he give refuge to one who is seeking refuge from Allah's obligations. Or, trying to engage in that which Allah has prohibited. The second point he said, the obligation of giving to the one who asks. Whatever he asks in the name of Allah, as long as the one who is asking is in need and he is forced to do so, he is in a position he feels that he is really in need and therefore compelled to ask, otherwise asking the original rule concerning asking others for something it is that it is makroof, that no one should ask another person for anything the Prophet Sallallahu he made, Alaihi he made an agreement with his companions prohibiting them from asking anyone for anything, as long as they are not in need even to the extent that if a person is on their riding animal and they drop their whip. He said they shouldn't say to one who is walking, pass that to me. But he should get down and get it himself because the one who doesn't ask others for anything, then they will always be raised up and they will only be in submission to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. Uh, he said that we should give the one who asks whatever they ask as long as that person is in need and is compelled to ask and as long as the one who responds in responding to the needs of that person, it would not cause any harm to that one has, who has been asked. And as long as what they have requested is not, not something that is makro, something that is detestable. Yani as long as they have not been asked for something that is forbidden or something that is detestable, then whoever is able should help them. The third point that he mentioned from this hadith is the obligation of responding to the invitation of a Muslim who invites you to a wedding celebration or other than that. And here the invitation here, it means, to, it means to the occasion when somebody is inviting you to honor you, to offer you food or something like this. It doesn't just mean a general invitation to any and everything. That we should respond to such uh, an invitation as long as uh, it doesn't entail any harm in our worldly affairs or in our deen. And here on this point also, we can say that, responding to the one who invites you to honor you, responding to them, it is one of the means of establishing love and brotherhood uh, and fraternity between the believers. The last point that he mentions is the obligation of al-mukatta'ah al-ma'roof, the obligation of compensating somebody, someone for what they have done of good. Or what they have done of good for you compensating them المكافأة, that it is obligatory to do so it's obligatory to compensate them and this as some of the scholars said it is from and it is from that type of character or that behavior or المك- الأخلاق, the lofty uh, characteristics or noble behavior that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the Messenger of Allah وسلم, love and it is also part of the perfection of al-Iman and the achievement of a Tawheed that one does not remain in a state of humiliation or submission or in the lower position to any created being but we should only be in humiliation to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. that no one should allow to remain in their heart such a feeling of submission uh... to a creature but we should only feel and in this way and it, nothing should remain in our heart of submission or surrender or humiliation except to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then the Shaykh says the relationship of this hadith to the chapter under discussion is that this hadith indicates the obligation of giving the one who asks in the name of Allah. This hadith indicates and in reference to the chapter under discussion, the chapter under discussion it is that the one who asks in the name of Allah should not be refused. So the relationship of this hadith to the chapter under discussion is this point of the hadith. The point of the hadith that indicates that it is obligatory when one asks in the name of Allah to give them. And the relationship of this hadith to the general topic of a tawheed is that this hadith indicates the prohibition of refusing or rejecting the one who asks in the name of Allah. Because to refuse the one who asks in the name of Allah, who places Allah subhanahu wa taala as the means through which they want to have their needs achieved. Yani they ask you by the name of Allah. That is the greatest of means that anyone can use to get their goal or their objective or their needs fulfilled. Therefore, whoever does so, it is haram. It is forbidding for one to reject such a person. Because this is a negation of the exaltation or the glorification of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If we reject the one who asks in His name, and the negation or the nullification of the ta'adim of Allah, the glorification of Allah, it is a violation of Tawhid. tawheed uh, The Messiah at the end of the chapter that Al-Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab has mentioned There are six. The first of them is giving refuge to the one who seeks refuge by the name of Allah. And we have already said that the one who seeks refuge by the name of Allah that it is obligatory to give assistance and help to that one unless that person is seeking refuge from something that is obligatory for them to do or obligatory for them to avoid, yani that which is wajib or that which is haram they are seeking to avoid fulfilling the obligatory duties or they are seeking to engage in that which is haram, in that case that person should not be given refuge Then. Uh, Sheikh Muhammad ibn Salih Uthaymeen in the second issue of the Messiah which is giving to the one who asks, who asks for something in the name of Allah he said that we have already mentioned the details of this yani, he explained he discussed this issue in his explanation in a great amount of detail which it is not possible to cover yani, completely however the summary of what he has said as best I can is that he said that whoever asks for something in the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Whoever asks for something in the name of Allah. Or, without mentioning the name of Allah. But, they ask for something which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has legislated as a right for them. Even without mentioning the name of Allah. Then it is obligatory to give them what they have asked for. And yani whoever says to you, for example, a poor person. And they ask for sadaqah, for zakat. And Allah has legislated that when the needy are in need, that they should be given from Sadaqah, from Zakat. If the needy person comes and asks for Zakat, it is obligatory to respond to them. Because they have asked, even if they didn't mention the name of Allah, they have asked in the name of what Allah is legislating. Therefore it is obligatory to respond to them. If the person asks in the name of Allah, the Shaykh said, if they ask in the name of Allah, even if they are not entitled to what they are asking for, but they ask in the name of Allah, then likewise it is obligatory to respond to them, as long as the person is able, and he is capable, is in a position to help that person or to respond to them, even if they were not entitled to it. Because they have asked in the name of Allah, and it is a negation of the glorification of Allah, that we, re- we reject or we refuse the one who asks in the name of Allah. Uh, the third issue, answering the invitation, and the Sheikh said also, we have already mentioned this in detail, And the detail that he discussed about it is also very lengthy. However, the summary of what he said, he said that there are two opinions concerning the ruling of answering an invitation. He said that according to the majority of scholars, whoever invites you, whether it is a wedding celebration or otherwise, whoever invites you, then it is mustahab to respond to them, not obligatory. That is the opinion of the Jamhur, the majority of scholars except if it is a wedding celebration, if it is wedding celebration, then it's obligatory to respond however the minority opinion, the Zahiriya Madhab which is the opinion based on the obvious meaning of that hadith, whoever invites you, you must respond, the general meaning of the hadith they said then, it is obligatory to respond to anyone who invites you, whether it is a wedding or otherwise, also of the details that Sheikh Muhammad Ibn Salih Uthaymeen Rahimahullah mentioned, he said that there are six conditions whether we consider it as being wajib or mustahab to respond to the one who invites you according to the two opinions one that it is wajib the majority opinion that it is mustahab except in the wedding celebration which is wajib even according to the majority he said there are six conditions the first of them and it is obligatory mustahab to respond if that person who invites you is not of those who should be boycotted who is not of those who should be boycotted according to the sharia the one who is being boycotted then it is not obligatory to respond to his invitation. The second of them is that the place that you have been invited to, that there is no evil taking place there. If it is, you are not obligated to respond. Here the Sheikh also gave some details concerning this. He said that the one who is able to remove that evil, then they are obligated to attend, for two reasons. One, to answer the invitation, and two, to remove the evil, if they are capable of doing so. Otherwise, if they are not capable of removing the evil, then they are not obligated to attend. In fact, they are prohibited from attending that place where evil is taking place. The third uh, condition is that the one who has invited you is a Muslim. Because of the rights of a Muslim, as the Prophet said in a number of hadith, and one of them he said that six are the rights of a Muslim, and from amongst those rights, is that when he invites you, that you have to respond. So if he is a Muslim, it is also obligatory or mustahab, according to the two opinions. The fourth condition is that the food that he invites you to it should not be from his earnings, that is haram if it is from haram earnings, then you are, not obligated to, you are not obligated to attend you are not obligated to respond to him, according to one opinion according to the majority opinion, that uh, it is makruh, but it is not haram it is makruh, not haram, to attend, uh, because what he has earned illegally is against him and you have nothing to do with that if he has invo- invited you to a lawful occasion then you are not to blame for how he has earned his income that is the majority opinion however the, major- the minority opinion is that if he invites you to food which it has been purchased with unlawful earnings he has earned that money unlawfully then it is haram to eat from that food therefore it is haram for you to respond and Sheikh Muhammad is inclined according to the full discussion of this issue that he has given in a number of pages to the opinion that it is not haram for you to attend that it is not haram, so what he does and how he earns his money is not uh, you are not to blame for it, according to that opinion, however the sheikh did say that it is makro, and that the detestability of attending, it is increased well, when the amount of his unlawful earnings becomes more and more, yeah, and if the larger percentage of his earnings is unlawful, then it becomes more detestable for you to attend or to respond to him. And if the amount of his unlawful earnings is small, then the detestability of attending is less, and yeah, according to the amount of his earnings. The sixth or the fifth condition he said that answering that invitation does not involve uh, avoiding or failing to fulfill that which is obligatory, or that which is more obligatory than what he has invited you to. If if his invitation prevented you from performing the salat, then it's not obligatory for you to attend, because the salat is obligatory and that is not, or it is more obligatory. And the last condition he said, that it is obligatory or mustahab for you to attend as long as it would not cause any harm to the one who has been invited, and there would be no harm to them in attending. the fourth issue, the Sheikh says, of the Messiah, the fourth issue of the Messiah, he said, it is giving compensation to the one who has done some good to you. And also this has been discussed in detail, it means that when somebody has done a good thing to you, a maruf, then you should respond in like, in a similar way. If they have given you something of material or wealth, and you should give them a similar gift of material or wealth if they have helped you due to their position then you should also try to help them however if they are of those people who you can't really return the ma'aruf to the head of the state or a very rich person who no matter what you gave it would not be compensation to that person then or if you are not able to give anything even if they are a normal person and you are not able the one who is not able to recompense by giving something similar then they are required to supplicate for that person to the extent that they will feel they have compensated them. The fifth issue is that at dua supplicating, it is the mukafa or the compensation for the one who is not able to do anything except to supplicate. Yani, if you are not able to do anything else for them, then supplication it is what, is what you are responsible for. And there is no greater obligation and that is sufficient. As the Prophet said in another hadith. And the last issue, he said that you should supplicate for them the one who is unable to return the favor you should supplicate to them حَتَّى تَرَوْ أَنَّكُمْ قَدْ كَاثَأْتُمُوهُ يعني, you should keep supplicating for them until you feel or until you know that you have compensated them fully. This is the end of the issues and the questions at the end of this uh, chapter. The first of them, quickly, is what is the relationship of this chapter to the subject of at-tawheed? The relationship of this chapter, any whoever acts by the name of Allah should not be refused, the relationship of this chapter to the subject of at tawheed is that failing to respond to the one who asks in the name of Allah is a violation of the obligation on us to glorify Allah and to exalt Him and to exalt His name and His characteristics and whoever fails to do so then they have also yani they have uh, nullified the perfection of at tawheed Number two, discuss the words whoever سَعَلَ And yani whoever asks for something in the name of Allah, give it to him. The meaning of this is that the one who asks in the name of Allah, they are using the name of Allah as a means to have their needs or their requests fulfilled. Therefore in exaltation or glorification of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, one should give them. Yani give them according to the condition of the one who is asking and the one who is being asked. If you are able. Uh, and actually there's different opinions. There are a number of opinions concerning this. Sheikh Sali, Ibn Abdul Aziz, Ali Sheikh, of Allah, may Allah protect and preserve him. In his explanation that is recorded uh, concerning kitab al tawheed he said that there are three opinions concerning the one who has asked for something. The first opinion is that whoever is asked in the name of Allah, it's obligatory to respond to them. And that's the opinion that we were discussing earlier. That it is obligatory to respond to them. And the second opinion is that it is mustahab to respond to them. And it's not obligatory, but if someone is asked, then it is mustahab, and it is makruh to reject them. And the third opinion is that of Sheikh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah, he said that it depends on the circumstances. And yani the third opinion is a detailed explanation. Yani it's not absolutely obligatory, nor is it absolutely mustahab, but it is obligatory in the case where somebody asks you specifically for a particular help, and you are able, then it is obligatory on you, if they ask you in the name of Allah however if they ask a number of people and you are amongst them they have not asked you specifically in that case it is mustahab but it is not obligatory because they have asked other people and if the person who is asking is known to be a liar and known not to be in need then it is mubah it is permissible to give to them if they ask in the name of Allah but it is not mustahab and it is not obligatory and that third opinion is the opinion of Shaykh Islam in taymiyyah the third question explain the words whoever is ta'adha billah give him refuge and whoever seeks refuge in the name of Allah then you should if it is from you or from someone else then you should respond you should respond by not harming them by releasing them or giving them help from whoever may be causing harm if it is other than you the fourth question, why must we respond when someone da'akum, yani if somebody invites us, why is it necessary that we must respond? it is necessary to respond in order that the one who has invited you feelings would not be hurt it is a means of establishing and developing and fostering brotherhood or sisterhood and relations between the believers is the command to respond to an invitation absolute or conditional, yani the, the command To respond to an invitation is it absolute absolutely you must respond or is it conditional it is conditional and there are a number of conditions as we as we said and from amongst those conditions is that the person who is calling you is not of those who should be boycotted or the place that they are inviting you to is not a place where munkar or evil is taking place and so on the six conditions that we have mentioned so it is conditional how must you respond to someone who does a maruf how must you respond to the one who does a maruf towards you you must respond in like, if you are able, and if you are not able to return them a similar favor then you should supplicate to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala until you feel that you have compensated them. Number seven, what is the reason for the command to compensate a ma'ruf? The reason for it is so that the one who someone has done a favor to, that they would not feel in submission. They would not feel humiliated in, in a lower position than the one who has given them something but no human being should feel, no believer should feel low or in submission or in humiliation except to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala therefore returning a favor raises that person back up and alleviates from their heart any feeling that they are indebted to that person but they should only be indebted to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and even if you supplicate it for them it is more than sufficient because that supplication it is probably greater than whatever you can give them of worldly things number eight, what is the shahid or the point related to this chapter from this hadith the shahid or the point related to this chapter from the hadith is the saying of the Prophet Man sa'ala billahi. Whoever acts for something in the name of Allah, fa'atuhu, then you should give it to him. As for the other points, they are not the main point of the chapter, but they are also related. Mention some of the fawaid or benefits derived from this chapter. We have already mentioned يعني, a number of them in these questions يعني, of the benefits or the fawaid from this chapter is the obligation of ta'adheem of Allah and that whoever fails to do so to respond to those who act in the name of Allah that is the violation of Tawheed and so on can you save it until the end? Uh, the next chapter which I will try to cover a little more briefly is the chapter entitled Baabun لا يسأل بوجه الله إلا الجنة لا يسأل بوجه الله إلا الجنة Nothing should be asked for by the wedge by the face of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala except الجنة Yani nobody should ask for something other than Jannah by saying I ask by the face of Allah except you are asking for Jannah. This chapter it is based upon the hadith that the Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul wahhab has mentioned, it is Anjabir, of the same meaning as the title, Anjabir radiallahu anhu, and qalaq qala rasulullahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. That Jabir has mentioned that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, La yus'alu bi wajhi illa al jannah, that nothing should be asked for by the face of Allah. Yani, calling, asking for something, the means the wasila to get it is by asking by the face of Allah the face of Allah, the face of Allah is one of the sifat or characteristics of Allah, of the sifat al of his divine being, nothing should be asked for by such a sifa, the face of Allah or by Allah's uh, name that is exclusive for him except that is that which is the highest thing and the greatest objective, that is al-jannah, rawahu abu Dawood. This hadith has been reported by Abu Dawood and the scholars in discussing this hadith, many of them considered it, considered it as weak because of a narrator named Suleiman ibn Qarm, ibn Mu'adh al hafiz ibn Hajj al said say al-Havr wa ya yani that he had a bad memory and he uh, was involved in tashya' tashya' meaning the belief or the opinion of some of the early generation of the Muslims of the superiority or preference of Ali over Abu Bakr al Umar. not the Rafidah Shia of today whose Aqidah is Kufr that's not what we mean here but it means giving preference to Ali over the others so he said that he was say Al-Hivd of a bad memory therefore sheik al-Albani and other scholars said Isnaduhu Da'if that the Isnad, the chain of narratives is Da'if however some of the scholars have mentioned a shahid or a supporting narration for this hadith reported by al tabarani and it is in al-majma' al-zawa'id and al-iraqi, imam al-iraqi, rahimahullah said that that narration is hasan, in fact, the shaykh al-albani and Sahih al-targhid al also said that the hadith is hasan and that hadith is reported from abu musa al-ashari and other than him, radiyallahu anhu, anhu samia rasoolu sallallahu that he heard the Messenger of Allah وسلم, saying مَلْعُونُنْ مَنْ سَعْلَ Allah." Yani The meaning of this hadith, it is a support for the previous hadith even though in the chain there is some weakness. He said bi That the one who acts by the face of Allah is cursed. The one who acts by the face of Allah is cursed. Yani you should not ask somebody. Pressuring them to give you their needs by asking by the face of Allah. By the face of allah whoever acts by the face of allah is cursed and likewise the one is cursed who is asked the one who has asked for something by the face of allah somebody asks you by the face of allah and then he prohibits or he refuses to give that one who has asked him he holds back from giving him then he is also cursed as long as he is not asked هجرن. and هجرن, some of the scholars said it means Amran qabih. Yani, it is something that is evil, as long as they have not been asked something evil, or Sualan kabiḥ, or a question yani, that, is, that is ugly, yani, meaning that they have been asked by filthy speech, as long as they have not been asked by filthy speech, or they have not been asked for something evil, then if somebody is asked by the word of Allah, then they should respond. Even though, nobody should ask another one by the way of Allah. But if you are asked, then you have to respond. Yani, because it is glorification, ta'adheem of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that somebody has asked by the face of Allah. And then you ignore them, and refuse them, and reject them. It is a serious matter. Uh, so, the Shaykh al-Qar'awi, Allah, he says in the general exclamation of this hadith, that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu sallam, has prohibited in this hadith, that anyone ask by the face of Allah, the lowly, despicable things of this world. in yani the trifling things of the dunya. You should not ask somebody for some reals or some food by the wedge of Allah. Allah's, the wedge of Allah, the sifat of Allah, it is higher than that, that somebody should ask for the lowly things of this world. Because these things are despicable. And they are only temporary. While the, the face of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is azim, it is supreme. And it is permanent, lasting, forever. Uh, then he said, Then the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam allowed, he allowed, that one may ask by the face of Allah, Al Jannah. The highest of objectives, you may ask by the name of Allah. Or, as the Shaykh says in the explanation, and many of the scholars have said similar, you may ask by the face of Allah, Al Jannah, or that which leads to it. Yani the means to Al Jannah. Like asking for example, that Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala give you the success in obeying Him and remaining firm on the path until you die or protecting you from the hellfire, because all of these are the things that lead to al-jannah then he said because whoever asks that which is azim that which is supreme by the face of Allah then this is the exaltation and glorification and honoring of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to ask for that which is supreme by the face of Allah, it is the exaltation of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. The Shaykh mentions four benefits from this Hadith. The first of them is the confirmation of the characteristic, the Sifa of al-Wedge. That wedge, the face, it is the characteristic of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. It should be confirmed in a way that is suitable to His Majesty, His greatness, and His glory. And that is confirming it without Taqiif, without Tamthil, without Tahriz, without, without. Ta'atheel, without ta'yif meaning, without trying to explain the how of his face. Only Allah knows how it is. But we confirm that he has a face. And that face is suitable to his majesty, and his perfection, and his divinity. Not like the face of his creatures. Without ta'yif, without explaining how. Without tamthil, making an example for Allah's face. That Allah's face is like the example of such and such, and so and so, of that which is in the creation. And without ta'arif, without redefining it, or re-explaining it, or interpreting it, in a way that is a false interpretation of its meaning and without ta'atil, that is emptying it of its meaning in order to negate that characteristic Number two, the permissibility of asking for al-Jannah by the face of Allah Number three, the obligation of the exaltation or the glorification the ta'zim of the face of Allah Number four, the prohibition of asking for other than Jannah by the face of Allah and the prohibition of asking for anything other than Jannah or that which leads to the Jannah or the protection from the hellfire. The relationship of this hadith to the chapter under discussion is that this hadith indicates the prohibition of asking by the face of Allah for anything other than Jannah and its relationship to Tawheed is that this hadith while it indicates the prohibition of asking for other than Al-Jannah by the face of Allah the, its relationship to Tawheed is because doing so asking for other than that which is of the highest of objectives yani the thing that the human being and the true believer is seeking in this world above and beyond everything else whoever asks for other than that it is a negation of our obligation to exalt and glorify Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the obligation, of the, yani the obligation or a negation of the Ta'adheem of Allah and the negation of that Ta'zim, it is also a negation of the perfection of at tawheed The material or the issues of importance that Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab has mentioned at the end of this chapter, there are two, uh, and the explanation of Shaykh Muhammad ibn Salih Usaymin concerning them are brief. The first of them is the prohibition of asking for the face of Allah, asking by the face of Allah, Anything except the most exalted or the highest of objectives. That is, al-Jannah or that which leads to it. Yani that it is prohibited to do so. And this is understood from the hadith yani of this chapter. That nothing should be asked for, for, for by the face of Allah except al-Jannah. And here, Sheikh Muhammad, Rahimahullah, Sheikh Mohammed bin Salih Hussaymin says, uh, This hadith has been declared as weak by some of the scholars, by some of the Ahl al-Ilm. However, if we accept... Yeah, I mean, if we accept those who said that it is acceptable, those who have said that it is supported and raised up, this Sheikh Abdul Aziz Ibn Baz, and even Sheikh Al Bahraini, he seems to be inclined towards this position when he said that the isnad of this hadith is da'if. He didn't say the hadith is da'if, hadithun da'ifun, but he said isnaduhu da'if, which indicates that the chain for that hadith is da'if, however, it might be supported by other narrations, and from amongst them is the narration which we have mentioned, which he himself has declared to be hasan, in another place, in another book. So he said if we accept it as being acceptable, then he said it is from the adab, or proper behavior of the believer, that he does not ask for, by the face of Allah, Anything except that which is related to the hereafter. That is the success in Al in the Jannah or uh, being saved from the hellfire. The second issue of the Messiah is Ifbat Tifat al is yani the confirmation of the characteristic of Al Waj for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And as we said already that the menhaj or the methodology of ahlu Sunnah Jama'ah concerning the confirmation of the characteristics of Allah in, in this case, the face of Allah, as it is confirmed in the Qur'an and in numerous Hadith, the manhaj of Ahl-Sunnah concerning this is that we confirm whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has confirmed for Himself. And whatever the Messenger of Allah sallallahu has confirmed for Allah. And, and, and that confirmation, it is without making any resemblance to other creatures or making examples from that which is in the creation. And likewise, it is without the negation. yani without uh, reinterpreting or without emptying of its meaning. That is, without making taharif, any yani false interpretation, or without making ta'atil, yani negating it by, em- by confirming the expression and negating its meaning. Uh, the questions at the end of this chapter, the first of them discuss the prohibition of asking for trifling things by the wedge of Allah. Yani, it is prohibited to ask for those worldly things, or those things that are insignificant by the face of Allah. Because it is a negation of the ta'zim of Allah. Yani, to ask for little things by that which is great. But we should ask for that which is supreme, that is the greatest greatest objective of this life, that is al-Jannah. Is this permission of asking by the wedge of Allah limited to asking for al-Jannah? Yani, the opinion of the majority of the scholars is that, The permission for asking by the face of Allah is limited to al-Jannah and that which leads to al-Jannah. and That that which is the means to al-Jannah or that which serves the same purpose. And Asking to enter the paradise or asking to be saved from the hellfire. It is the same meaning. Because whoever is saved from the hellfire is the one that is entering the paradise. What is the Aqidah of Ahl-Sunnah concerning the wedge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? It is... Yani the Akid of Ahl Sunnah is that we confirm that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has a wedge. He has confirmed it in the Quran, the Prophet has confirmed it in numerous hadith. Therefore we confirm what he has confirmed. However, we confirm it without interpreting it or without trying to explain the nature of his face or the inner meaning of it. But we understand it as it is understood in the Arabic language. And we also say that it is confirmed in a way that is suitable and appropriate to the divinity, the greatness, the glory, and the majesty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it is not like the face of humans or other creatures of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What is the relationship of this chapter to the subject of a Tawheed? It is that the glorification or the exaltation of the sifat of Allah, such as the face of Allah exalting his sifat, it is a confirmation of a Tawheed. So that no one should ask, those things which are insignificant or despicable or lowly by that which is high and exalted and supreme, that is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or his sifat. If we ask for anything that is of worldly things and we cannot ask except from Allah, we should ask Allah for those things without asking in, by the face of Allah. But we say, oh Allah, give me this, oh Allah, help me in this way, oh Allah, forgive me or whatever, without uh, or I mean, uh, give me if you need uh, wealth, or if you need things of the worldly things. If you have some trouble in your life, asking Allah for those things by asking Him directly, without asking Him by the face of Allah. Uh, mentioning some of the fawaid or, or benefits derived from this chapter, and it, the most important of it is that the glor- is the glorification of Allah subhanahu wa taala. That it requires that we acknowledge the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa taala and His ifat, by not asking Allah by his face, specifically not asking him for those things which are insignificant and the second most important benefit from this chapter, is the confirmation of this tifa this characteristic of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala al-wajj uh, there are some important points which time will not allow us to cover has the then called? alhamdulillah, then just quickly I would like to read the summary of what Sheikh Abdurrahman Al-Saadi uh, has mentioned in his brief comments, Al-Qawl al sadeed Fi Maqasid al Tawhid. The Sheikh, the Sheikh of Sheikh Muhammad Ibn Saleh Al-Faymin, he has said concerning these two chapters which we discussed today, after mentioning both of these chapters, he commented on both of them at one time, he said that these two chapters, that no one should be rejected who acts by the name of Allah, and no one should act, for anything by the face of Allah except of Jinnah, he said the first of these chapters, it is addressed to the Mas'ul. It is addressed to the one who is being asked. The one who is being asked. It is addressed to him. And it is that when any person comes to him, seeking their needs to be fulfilled, and using as the means to get their, means fo- to get their needs fulfilled, the greatest of the wata'il, the greatest of means, that is, asking by Allah, if anybody comes to them asking about Allah, then that person should answer them as respect and glorification of the right of Allah and also in fulfillment of the right of his brother. Since that one has sought help from him by the greatest of means. The second of these chapters, it is addressed to the sail, yani to the one who is asking. The first chapter is to the one who is asked, that he should not reject somebody who asks him in the name of Allah. And the second is addressed to the sail, to the one who asks others. It is addressed to him that he should not ask by the face of Allah. should not ask people for their needs by the face of Allah, but no one should ask by the face of Allah except Al-Jannah. And he said, it is obligatory on that one to have respect for the names of Allah and the sifat or the characteristics of Allah, and that they should not ask anything of the things of this world by the face of Allah, but they should, ask, they should not ask for by the face of Allah except the most important and the greatest of all objectives, that is Al-Jannah. That Jannah which contains al naim Al-Muqeem which contains the perfect bounty, which is permanent. It doesn't end. And it contains the Rida of the Rabb, i.e. the pleasure of Allah. ila wajhi al-kareem. And in that Jannah, the believers will look to the face, to the noble face of Allah bi And they will also enjoy the speech of Allah. i.e. Allah will speak to the believers in paradise And this is the most important of objectives, and this is what should be asked for by the face of Allah. As for the things of the worldly matters and the lowly things, uh, no one should ask for any of their needs except from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. However, they should not ask for these things by the face of Allah. Uh, There are also some issues that Sheikh Muhammad ibn Salih Uthaymeen has discussed in his Sharh, but it is very lengthy. Therefore, there is a summary of these issues in another book entitled, Al-Fawaid, Al-Muntaqa, Min Sharh, Kitab Al-Tawheed yani there are, it is a brief summary of the issues that the shaykh has mentioned in each chapter and from amongst them he has mentioned the first point as'al billah ala yani asking by the name of allah it is in two ways and yani, there are two ways to ask by the name of allah the first of them is the yani that somebody says aluka billah yani they use the word of allah when they ask actually using the expression allah in their question the second of them is bi shar'illah yani that they ask they ask you, not by mentioning the name of Allah, but they ask you through that which Allah has legislated, that is that they ask you for something that Allah has ordered you to respond to like the poor person who asks for sadaqah, he is entitled to it, Allah has ordered such or the person who asks the people of knowledge about an issue of their deen then they are obligated to respond to him even if he doesn't ask in the name of Allah so the ways of asking in the name of Allah are two, one by mentioning his name and the other is asking for that which he has legislated the second issue that he said the ruling concerning those who reject somebody who asks by the name of Allah and he said it is either makro or, or muharram yani it is either detestable or it is haram in consideration of the condition of the one who is being asked and the condition of the one who is asking depending on the condition of the one who is asking and the condition of the one who is being asked it might be to reject him, it might be makro or it might be haram these are the first two opinions one of the opinions is that it's haram and the other opinion is that it's makro and the third opinion we said is the opinion of Shaykh al-Taymiyyah and his opinion is that in some cases it is haram if somebody is being asked directly for something specific and they are capable to do so then it is haram to reject him and it is obligatory to answer whereas if a group of people are being asked then it is mustahab, to answer, and it is makroo, to reject him, otherwise, it is mubah. The ruling concerning asking by the name of Allah, asking by the name of Allah, Yani, what is the ruling of somebody asking by the name of Allah, is it allowed? He said that asking itself by the name of Allah, it is makroo, it is makroo to ask the people by the name of Allah, except for the one who is in, this in need, yani who is really in need, Yani, who asks out of necessity. As for asking for wealth by the name of Allah, it is haram. Except for the one who is in emergency situation. Yani, even if you ask for something by the name of Allah, which is makro, but asking for wealth, using the name of Allah just to get wealth of the world worldly things, then this is haram except for in case of necessity. And the proof of this, he said, is the hadith that is reported by Al Bukhari that the Prophet said that a man who continues to ask the people and He to ask for wealth from the people until He will come on the day of resurrection and He will not have any flesh remaining on His face. And every time He asks the people, some of His flesh would be removed. And He would ask so much until on Yom Kiyama He would come with no flesh remaining on His face, which is a proof that asking, except for necessity, that it is not allowed. As for asking for other help, other than any, uh, financial help, uh, then this is Macro. Except, yani, the person who is forced out of necessity to do so and the last issue he said the ruling concerning rejecting the one who asks what is the ruling? of rejecting somebody who asks you for their need he said number one if it is the one who asks without mentioning the name of Allah yani somebody just said so and so give me without mentioning the name of Allah he said that if it is from that which the Sharia has entitled them to, then you must give it to them, even though they didn't ask in the name of Allah. Uh and the second case is the one who asks by connecting to his question the name of Allah. And he, he, ask you, he asks you Billahi. He asked you in the name of Allah and he said this one should be given even if he is not entitled to it. As long as it is not from that which is haram or sinful and as long as it would not cause any harm to the one who is being asked to give it to that one uh, and yani, if it is something sinful it means like for example if somebody asks you in the name of Allah to tell you about that which is haram to tell them about a, a man what is, how is his relationship with his spouse or a woman how is her describe your relation with your spouse this is something that if somebody asks you in the name of Allah it is haram to tell them Therefore, you should not tell them, or like something similar to this. Uh, this is the end, yani, of these issues that he has mentioned, or a summary of the issues that the Sheikh has mentioned in the comprehensive uh, discussion of these two chapters in uh, the explanation of the by Sheikh Muhammad al-Sali al-Husaymin, rahimahullah. Uh, and if there are any questions... I think uh, there were some questions from the first chapter. Maybe if you have written them down, you can ask them now. If the sisters have any questions, you can also ask them now. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika Ashhadu an la ilaha illa anta astagfiruka wa atubu ilayka. Naam, nah. Ask Allah what? If we ask Allah for worldly things, we should ask Him without using His names or Sifat as a means. We may just ask Him, we may just ask Him, Oh Allah, give me this, Oh Allah, help me in this way. If it is of worldly things, it is better not to ask even Allah. But if you ask Allah by His face, as the hadith said, you should ask Allah for Al Jannah. Who else do you ask for Al Jannah from except Allah? that you should only ask Allah by His face for al-jannah that means of the worldly things you shouldn't ask Him by His face but it is better that you ask Him without using tawassul by the names of Allah or His sifat for worldly things but the things of the next life then you may ask Allah by His names and His characteristics of the hereafter, the things of the hereafter that which is related to entering the paradise or being saved from the hellfire otherwise if somebody asks by the name of Allah asking Allah then some of the scholars said it is makroof but it is better not to do so to ask for worldly things by the name of Allah Naam? Tawassul, it is a type of tawassal, Naam it is permissible but it is better not to do so based on this hadith Yani tawassul, by the names of Allah, it is a permissible type of tawassul. but however, a tawassul doesn't necessarily mean that Tawassal, seeking to get near to Allah has to be for worldly things. Tawassal, it means getting near to Allah to fulfill one's needs. Those needs could be of the deen or of the dunya. And that what you use Tawassal to get near to Allah by His name, it is better that it be for the things of the deen, not of the dunya. But of the dunya, you may ask him without mentioning his names. Uh... Say, uh, uh, go ahead, you ask first and then we'll take this question. Tafaddullah. <inaudible> Naam, the Prophet said, in order to recompense the one who has done something for you, he said that whoever, someone has done it good to them and he says to, and he returns, and he, he compensates that one by saying, Jazakallahu khairah. Then he has compensated fully. And whoever says Jazakallahu Khaira," May Allah reward you with al-khair, khair, khair, khaira. Then that means you have fully compensated for what he has done for you. Of course, making supplication for the one who has done something good for you is in the case. Where the one who has done something for you is of those people that are normally not compensated. Yani a very rich person or the head of state or leader of the people who doesn't need whatever you might give to him, who has no need or desire for it. It is in that case that you supplicate for him. Or in the case of the one who is incapable, unable to return a like favor. They don't have any ability, then they may supplicate. Otherwise, what is legislated is that when somebody has done for you a ma'roof, then you should return it, likely. Not supplicate, but you should give back to them what they have given to you. And you should do something back for them, similar to what they have done for you. But if you are unable, then you can supplicate for them. Uh is it related to the same question? Uh صبر. Yes. No. is it is it is it proper to ask ask the person? where he has gotten his livelihood from, before we eat from him. First, first, we said that there are two opinions concerning this. One of the opinions, and that is the opinion of Sheikh Muhammad bin Salih is that it is not haram to eat from his food. But the way he has earned his means, that is against him, you have nothing to do with that. As long as he has invited you to a lawful occasion, that which is legal in Islam, he has invited you, then it is no blame on you. The other opinion, the first opinion, the majority opinion which we mentioned, is that, if his means is unlawful, then the food that he has purchased is unlawful, therefore it is unlawful for you to eat from it. There are two opinions, but the majority opinion is that it is not, you are not to blame, however it is makruh. it is makruh if you know that his means is unlawful, to the extent that the percentage of his means is unlawful, more and more, it becomes more detestable, and the opposite. If you know, but it is not your obligation to ask him, how have you earned your means? However, some people it is known. If you know that somebody works in a bank, it is haram to work in a bank. That means the, the salary that he receives, it is unlawful. It is from unlawful means. It is known. It is from riba. It is haram. So if you know his means is from that, you don't have to ask, no. If you don't know, then don't ask. It is not your obligation to ask a Muslim Muslim, how you have earned. In fact, it is re- reported in a number of hadith that the Prophet was invited by a Yahudi to food and he came and ate, and everybody knows that the Jews are the people who are most engaged in riba in the earth, in that time and today. He was given, he was offered a meal by a Jewish lady, the meal in which the the animal was poisoned, that he died from later, and he also ate from it, and such like this. So there's no any clear proof that uh, if you think without really knowing or you imagine or you su- suspect that somebody's means is unlawful that you cannot eat from them. Okay, one of the questions from the sisters. Does, does, the, disbeliever, does the disbeliever will or will the, see the face of Allah on the day of judgment? Uh, the disbelievers will not see the face of Allah. They will be screened from the face of Allah. Seeing the face of Allah is a reward for the believers and being screened from the face of Allah is a punishment for the disbelievers. Ahmed? According to many of the scholars, asking by the face of Allah for that which leads to paradise is permissible. So, a shahada, dying, fighting for the establishment of the deen of Allah on the earth against the disbelievers on the battlefield, shahada, martyrdom, it is a way to paradise, because whoever dies as a shaheed, truly, and Allah only knows who is a shaheed, because it is not only fighting on the battlefield, But it requires ikhlas in the heart, that they have fought for the sake of Allah alone. If a person really dies as a shaheed, then the Prophet ﷺ says Allah has promised them Jannah. So if you ask to die as a martyr, it is is the same as asking for al Jannah, inshaAllah. Brother, is it permissible to refuse such invitation that is wedding due to shyness out of of place and other feelings that you don't know, even the family who invited you, is it right to refuse help from a non-practicing Muslim that is not praying shukram? Yani, this is a long question In brief. It is not permissible to refuse the invitation to a wedding. According to all of the scholars, it is obligatory. It is obligatory. Even the majority who said it is not obligatory to follow. It is not obligatory to accept general invitations. They said it is obligatory to accept the wedding invitation because of the clear hadith of the Prophet ﷺ. He said, whoever didn't respond then he has disobeyed Allah and his messenger. So it is not permissible to reject it out of shyness. Or because... Uh, uh, feelings that you don't even know the people who has invited you or whatever. It's not allowed to uh, reject the invitation unless for some reason, as we mentioned, except there is some other reason. Uh, is it right to refuse help from a non-practicing Muslim that is not praying? The person who is not praying is not a Muslim. And the Prophet said, Huh? The Prophet ﷺ said, بيننا, or بين المرء, وبين الكفر and he said is so that which is between us and them that separates the believers from the disbelievers is salat and he said that whoever abandons salat has entered into kufr and the scholars said that this kufr, it may be major kufr or minor kufr kufr duna kufr, in any case the more correct opinion is that abandonment of salat willingly without any excuse or any reason it is kufr, the person is out of Islam and it is better not to accept, accept help uh, from non-Muslims. However, it is not haram to accept help from a Kafir, if the Muslims do not help. If there are no Muslims to help, then it is not haram, if a person is really in need to accept help. Just like it is not haram for a Muslim to help the Kafirs, if they are in need. And there are no Muslims who are in need, who have priority, then you may also help the Kafirs. And Allah knows better. Na'am. Do you have another question? Uh, if, you, if you accept the invitation to a wedding celebration and you sit for a long time and nothing happens. <laughs> nothing happens means the food doesn't come, huh? <laughs> you are right. Jazakallah <laughs> khair. <Umar>, huh? Jazakallah <laughs> khair. Wallahi, that question is correct and I'm happy that he said this because uh, it is happening regularly. That you, you are invited to a wedding celebration and the purpose of the invitation is for you to eat. That is the purpose. You are not coming to socialize, they are inviting you to eat. That means when they invite you, they should feed you. They shouldn't keep you waiting 2 hours and 3 hours and 4 hours. It is not from Islam to do so. When you have invited people to eat, you should tell them to come at this time and when they come, they should eat. So it is correct, yes, if you came, you accepted the invitation and you waited and waited and they didn't feed you, you may leave. You are not required to stay there all night, until midnight. And the women stay until 2 o'clock in the morning or until Fajr. That is against Islam, it is against Islam and people shouldn't do this and we have to change these customs of jahiliya, of jahiliya. We have to change these customs. Uh, any final question? Naam. No. Naam. No. Sharing food with non-Muslims that they have bought with their money, and if they offered you some food, And as long as it is of those things that are lawful, it is permissible. Uh, the food of the people of the book is lawful for you, and your food is lawful for them. This is in reference to Ahl-Kitab, the Christians and Jews. However, it doesn't mean food in general. It means Zabiha. It means that as zuhri Rahimahullah, the great scholar of the Tabihin, as that is reported in bukhari he said that the food of the people of the book, Ta'am al-Ahl-Kitab, it means that which they have slaughtered, they have slaughtered animals. Otherwise, other than Ahl-Kitab, Food that is normally lawful, not their slaughtered animals, but if they gave you an apple or orange, that is lawful, it is okay, you can take it from them. Otherwise, slaughtered animals, the slaughtered animals should only be taken from the Ahl-Kitab. And if we know that they have not slaughtered it, because they are also required in their law, to cut the throat and drain the blood, it was revealed also that they should do so, and if they don't do so, it is not lawful for them to eat, how could it then be lawful for us? That which is not lawful for them, they will give it to us. They have not slaughtered it. And then we will eat it. It's not lawful. From the people of the book, it has to be slaughtered. If it is not slaughtered, it's not lawful.